Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the 2000s Call, the podcast where I recap iconic movies and music from the 2000s. I had a lot of fun putting this episode together for you all this week. I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, I'm going to start out by saying I watch a lot of bad movies in my spare time because I like them and for this podcast, but I watched Spider-Man 3 last night and good God, it was horrible. I don't know if any of you have seen it uh, recently, but Jesus Christ, whose revenge fantasy was it to have Tobey Maguire do like an emo cabaret dance? It was so fucking weird. (laughs) It was so bad. Anyway, today we're going to be revisiting the movie Loser, which came out on July 21st of 2000. It's a romantic comedy produced by Columbia Pictures. It was directed by Amy Heckerling, who is the same director who directed Clueless and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Their budget was $25 million, and it made $29.9 million at the box office. It has a score of 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to point out that I don't give a fuck what the Rotten Tomatoes score is of a movie. If, I'm, if I want to watch it, I am going to watch it regardless of what the score is, but I just find those scores entertaining. But we're going to get into a lot of good stuff today. I don't think I'll even have time to make fun of the movie. But we are going to get into some IMDb trivia, the Loser soundtrack, my love for Jimmy Simpson and John Cleese, and later we'll be revisiting the album American Idiot by Green Day. So it's a star-studded cast, so get ready. It stars Jason Biggs, Dan Aykroyd, Mina Suvari, Zach Orth, Jimmy Simpson, and Greg Kinnear. What are their Zodiac signs? I'm going to tell you. Jason Biggs is a Taurus horse. Dan Aykroyd is a Cancer dragon. Mina Suvari is an Aquarius goat. Zach Orth is a Libra dog. Jimmy Simpson is a Scorpio rabbit. And Greg Kinnear is a Gemini rabbit. Cool. All right. We're going to get into the two IMDb trivia pieces that I liked that I wanted to share. There's a lot more on IMDb trivia if you want to look it up, but yeah. The music video for the song Teenage Dirtbag featured the characters from the movie as the song is featured on the movie's soundtrack. Unlike the movie, the music video takes place in high school and Dora is dating a bully jock instead of a professor. I watched this video because it came as like a special feature on the Loser DVD that I got. And it's pretty cute. I enjoyed it. So Mina Savari lip syncs to the part of the song where he's singing about having two tickets to see Iron Maiden. It was really cute. Um, At first, I was very caught off guard by his vocals because I honestly had never listened to the song. For, For some reason, I have never heard that song. But the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Um, I was caught off guard by his vocals because they sound a little silly and like nasally. Um, but I really enjoyed it. My poor husband has had to hear me screaming this song at the top of my lungs this week because I just can't stop listening to it for some reason. It's really good. Um, in a 2017 interview with The Ringer, director Amy Heckerling said, the main reason the film failed is that the studio insisted it be delivered as a PG-13 film even though it was intended by everyone else as an R-rated comedy. So let's get into that. That's really sad to hear, and I feel like it is a regular occurrence in Hollywood where the 
either the production company or whoever is involved and higher up in the making of the movie somehow decides and dictates, you know, changes to the original idea so much so that it gets watered down and it doesn't turn out how they intended it to be. So that, that's really sad. And then another part of me is surprised that it's only PG-13 because, um, spoiler alert, the movie contains some like sexual, an attempt to sexually assault Dora, um, the character played by Mina Savari. So, but when they do talk about it, it's very coded. Um, but still parts of it were a little hard to watch. There's a scene that made me turn off the movie the first time I watched it. (laughs) I watched it all the way through for the podcast, but there's this scene where they've invited girls to a party and they're roofing girls at the party. And Zach Orth's character, Adam asks Noah, Jimmy Simpson's character to take one for the team and sleep with a fat girl so he can sleep with her friend. And when he did that, my heart fell out of my ass and I turned off the movie cause I could not <laughs> handle it. It's, it was really icky the first time I watched it. So, but yeah, I mean, and the second time, but I think looking back at movies with content and jokes like this, we just have to acknowledge that it's from a different time and that doesn't mean that it's okay and it doesn't excuse it. It just provides context. And I think times have obviously changed and we know that's not okay. And we shouldn't normalize that kind of stuff. But, um, Spoiler alert again, at the end of the movie, they are all in jail. (laughs) So they kind of get what they deserve. So we're going to take a moment to talk about one of my favorite actors who is in this movie, Jimmy Simpson. Y'all, I love this man so much. Uh, He's well known for his role in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia as Liam McPoyle, if you recognize him from that. He plays, he also plays young William in Westworld. I don't know about you, but Jimmy Simpson reminds me of John Cleese. Um, And I'll tell you why, because I think that they both have an ability to be dead serious with their comedy and their character choices that it makes them, it makes what they're doing even funnier because they're so fucking committed to whatever the real reason that they have provided, like that would make their character act the way that they do. Um, I think I've only seen John Cleese break once. He barely even broke, but it was a really short transition sketch on Flying Circus. Um, It was a scene with John and Graham Chapman when they're in drag (laughs) and Graham says, I forget the context of the scene, but he says intercourse the penguins and John has to like turn his head and look away so that he doesn't break. And it's a really great moment. I have a a picture that I'll post on Instagram. Let me know if you remember that scene, but yeah. Um, And so I found out while, you know, researching for this episode that John Cleese and Jimmy Simpson are both Scorpio rabbits. So I just feel like, I don't know if it's a Scorpio rabbit thing, obviously, but I think that they both are really good at comedy because they approach it from like a very serious place. Um, Flying Circus is so fucking good. My parents got me the box set when I moved to Chicago and I had it on almost 24 seven because I just loved it so much. 
One of my also one of my favorite videos of all time is this clip of Jim Carrey talking about his love for Monty Python um, on a show called Best Bits. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it. And they interview different comedians on what their favorite uh, Monty Python sketches are. So um, one of the things Jim Carrey says in this clip is he says that Monty Python and those guys are like the Justice League of comedy, which I agree. But let me read you the whole quote from Jim Carrey because it's so funny. He talks about his love for Michael Palin. I'm also going to put it on my Instagram so you can watch it because I can't do it justice. But he says, can I just say something about Palin? There is so much talent in that group. It's insane. It's like a super Justice League of comedy. But Palin does something to me on an esoteric level. There's something creeping in his eyes and his attitude or whatever that slays me to the point that my butthole opens <laughs> and receives an energy from pulsing from the universe. And it's not so much of a laugh as it is a, he screams, that's something, that's some sort of an egg that's been gestating there for a long time. He does that to me. That's what <laughs> Jim Carrey has said about Michael Palin. And I totally agree. There's something very mischievous and, like, there's something b behind Michael Palin's eyes that just kills me. But I love that interview with Jim Carrey so much. I have it saved on my phone. Um, anyway, let me know what you think. From what I've observed, I think Jimmy Simpson and John Cleese are both able to pull off some ridiculously funny character choices because they're so like serious and committed with it. I tried talking about this with my husband, who's a psychologist and rarely humors me with astrology stuff, but I was explaining it and wondering if he was understanding what I'm saying, what I was saying. And he was like, yeah, they're both dry pan. <laughs> he meant deadpan, but um, no, not deadpan. I mean, they both like deadpan is saying stuff with no emotion or being contrastingly dry compared to what you're saying. Um, but yeah, I just think they come at comedy from like a very committed and sincere place. And I like that a lot. Can I tell you another reason why I like Jimmy Simpson? Okay. He <laughs> seems to work a lot with animals. He shared information about an organization called Animals Asia, which I had not heard of. They're a bear rescue organization. Um, on their Instagram, it says they're devoted to ending bear bile farming and improving the welfare of animals across Asia. I did not know about bear bile farming until I saw him posting about this organization. So here's what their website says about bile farming. Commercial bear bile farming began in China in the 1980s. It's a cruel farming system designed to extract bile from the gallbladders of living bears. Previous to this, bears were hunted in the wild for gallbladder bile, which is used in traditional Chinese medicine. By the early 1990s, there were over 400 bear farms in China alone, containing tens of thousands of suffering bears. Most farmed bears are kept permanently in cages, sometimes so small that they are unable to turn around or stand on all fours. Some bears are caged as cubs and never released, with many kept caged for up to 30 years. So that is unbelievably sad and cruel. And um, if you're able to, feel free to donate to that organization. Their Instagram handle 
is Animals Asia. They post really cool rescue videos and pictures of the bears they've rescued. They have an adorable picture of two moon bears named Kim and little Jane doing a little snoot smooch. It's really cute. So go check that out. I also shared that on my Instagram, 2000s called. Um, yeah, if you love Jimmy Simpson but have only seen him in It's Always Sunny, you should watch all the shit he's done. He's a very underrated actor, in my opinion. He's appeared on Westworld, House of Cards, Black Mirror, Perpetual Grace, Ultra City Smiths. He's going to be in an animated Star Trek series soon. And he's going to be in a Showtime series remake of The Man Who Fell to Earth. So check those out if you haven't. I'm really looking forward to The Man Who Fell to Earth. That's going to be fucking sick. It's going to be really good. So let's talk about the Loser soundtrack, which is also really good. So there's a Spotify playlist for the soundtrack. You can check out my Spotify account, the 2000s called Podcast, and find it there. Or you can search for just the Loser soundtrack on Spotify. The track list is as follows. Don't Bite It Baby by Five, Teenage Dirtbag by Weedus, Freakin' You by Jungle Brothers, Boom by Trinket, Pretty Fly for a White Guy by Offspring, I fucking love Offspring, uh, Blue Dabba D by Eiffel 65, Get Down Tonight by KC and the Sunshine Band, Sucks to Be You by Prozac, Out of My Head by Fastball, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl by Looking Glass, What's My Age Again by Blink-182, Stop the Rock by Apollo 440, Right Now by SR71, Mag Come Nada by Bloodhound Gang. I had only heard their song, The Bad Touch, that's also on the album, uh, on the soundtrack, and looking up the songs to listen to the soundtrack, I saw that y'all probably already knew this. I didn't fucking know this. Their album that has Mag Come Nada and The Bad Touch is called Hooray for Boobies. <laughs> I like that. So Much for the Afterglow by Everclear. Welcome to the Working Week by Elvis Costello. Did y'all know Elvis Costello is banned from SNL? Um, he was banned for failure to communicate a song change. He played his song Radio Radio, which criticized the commercialization of broadcasting. Isn't that interesting? He was, you know who is also banned from SNL? Sinead O'Connor. They need to unban her because she was correct about the rant that she went on. She needs to be unbanned. Uh, the rest of the soundtrack is I Will Buy You a New Life by Everclear. If you don't remember, Everclear is in the movie because he gets tickets to their show and he tries to have Dora's character come with him. Uh, Cabaret from the Cabaret Broadway cast. Aurora by Foo Fighters. Mint Car by The Cure. Love The Cure. Scarborough, Scarborough Fair by Simon and Garfunkel. Dance to the Underground by Radio 4, The Bad Touch, and She's So High by Tal Bachman. Uh, I, ha I hadn't heard that song in a long time. That was a very good surprise. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed that, that soundtrack a lot, which is why I also wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Y'all should listen to it as well. So we got a twofer this week. We're also going to talk about the album American Idiot by Green Day. This album is a masterpiece. I had not heard the entire album. Before we get into it, I was also looking up the zodiac signs of the band and discovered that Billy Joe 
Armstrong, Trey Cool, and Mike Dermt are all born in 1972. So they're all born in the year of the rat. But Billy is an Aquarius, Trey is a Sagittarius, and Mike is a Taurus. I just thought that was fucking cool that they're all born in 1972. That's adorable. <laughs> I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't listened to the whole album until this week, and I have not been able to stop listening to this and Teenage Dirtbag on repeat. Um, I had only listened to this, the singles they played on the radio in 2004. Maybe you're like me and you were young when this came out. Maybe you were a teenager or a young adult who was obsessed with this when it came out. I don't know. But I was 12 when it came out, and my parents didn't let me listen to it, so I only got to hear the radio edits and stuff. But this album was definitely, or the singles at least, were part of my emo awakening <laughs> and my realization that the world wasn't and isn't perfect. Like, I remember when I came out, people were talking about how it was a, a criticism of George Bush and his administration and stuff. And that, yeah, I wanted to, I chose this album this week because it was very political and obviously it's still super relevant now. And as of September 21st, which when this airs, that'll be yesterday, um, was the 17th anniversary of the album. Can you fucking believe it's been 17 years? That's insane. 17 years ago. That's crazy. I saw a clip, I don't know if you've seen it, of a performance of the song American Idiot in which Billy changed the lyrics from I'm not a part of a redneck agenda. He changed it to I'm not a part of a MAGA agenda. So he's been pretty vocal about hating Trump, which is dope. Love that. <laughs> Um, I wanted to look into the creation of the album, too, because I knew just that at least American Idiot was kind of a response to the Iraq War and events following 9-11. So I wanted to share what I learned. So according to the Internet, the band listened to quite a few rock operas as inspiration for the album, because this album is a rock opera, which I did not know. Um, so they listened to albums including Tommy, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, and Quadrophenia. Um, American Idiot is a concept album. It follows a kid named Jesus of Suburbia, who they describe as the anti-hero. There's another character named St. Jimmy, who's a swaggering punk rock freedom fighter, and a character named What's-Her-Name, a Mother Revolution figure. So they have these characters that tie into these songs and the themes of the album, and they ultimately decided to let the listener interpret the ending of the album. Billy Joe Armstrong described writing the album. He said, As soon as you abandon the verse-chorus-verse-chorus-bridge song structure, it opens your mind to this different way of writing, where there are no rules. That's definitely one of the many things that I loved about this album. The transitions between the songs and the freeform structure to the lyrics makes it all blend together really, really well. I really didn't even have to read that to know that it was a rock opera concept album to understand that that's what they intended to do. So um, if you haven't listened to this whole album in one sitting, you t you should fucking do that because um, it's fucking sick. It's great. The track list, if you do not know, is as follows. American Idiot, Jesus of Suburbia, Holiday slash Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Some of the songs are like two songs in one, basically. Are We Waiting, St. Jimmy, Give Me Novocaine, She's a Rebel, Extraordinary Girl, Letter Bomb. Does anyone know whose voice that is at the beginning of the song? 
extraordinary girl. It sounded like Kathleen Hanna to me for a second, but I could be very wrong. I'm not sure. Let me know if you know whose voice that is at the beginning. Wake me up when September ends. Homecoming. What's her name? Too much too soon. Shoplifter and governator. It's an award-winning album. Not that awards are the pinnacle of success, but it won a Grammy for Best Rock Album in 2005, and it won six other categories. They also won a Brit Award in 20, 2006, <laughs> about to say 2016. They won a Billboard Award for Album slash Group of the Year, Rock Artist of the Year, and Modern Rock Artist of the Year. So, And there are many other awards. That's just a few. The list really goes on. We're also going to talk about some of the music videos that went along with the album because the visuals they chose go really well with the concept and story. So I didn't know, I don't know if it was common for people to make, you know, extended music videos and visuals to go along with albums in the early 2000s because I know a lot of artists are doing that now, which I love. I don't know about you, but I'm like, I know Beyonce's Lemonade was one of the first real like complete um, video visuals that went along with the album that was just like earth shatteringly good. Um, I really like that artists are doing that a lot more. Uh, Halsey also did that recently with if I can't have love, I want power. God, I, that album is also a masterpiece. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I say that word too much, but it's true. That album is, it was produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and I also can't stop listening to that one. But let's start by talking about the Jesus of Suburbia video. As a pastor's daughter, I love sacrilegious shit like this. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's not the, it's not over the top sacrilegious. I don't think there's just a lot of like deeper meaning and everything to the video and song. The purpose of the video you can tell are not to be like provocative um, there are just true ties to the character, I guess, and, and Jesus Christ. There's a young actor named Lou Taylor Pucci who plays the kid slash character Jesus of Suburbia, who looks a lot like Billy Joe Armstrong. I also posted a picture of that on my Instagram so you can see like a side-by-side -side picture of them. But I really enjoyed the fucking punk spirit of this video. It was really good. The kid is growing up in a really rough environment without very much support. Uh, there's a scene where his mom slaps him and throws a coffee table tray at him and shit. So it's very sad, but it was also a very good video. You should watch it. The holiday video. This is the one with the burlesque ladies who are like dancing in green and top hats and shit, I think, where he's singing on top of a car, uh, which <laughs> saying that out loud doesn't sound like it would be very Green Day, but it totally is. There's also a drag queen in the video that for the life of me, I cannot identify and cannot tell. I can't tell if it's Mike Dermt in drag or if it's that drag queen named Love Connie. I feel like such a fucking idiot for not being able to tell who it is. Um, I tried looking it up on IMDb, but the members of the band are the only ones who have like acting credits for the video. So I guess I'll never fucking know unless one of you knows. Please watch it and then tell me who you think that drag queen is, please. Um, I almost didn't watch the Wake Me Up When September Ends video because I saw the still and it looked like it was just a performance video, like a staged live 
performance looking video. But I was so happily surprised and touched to see that it was a very sweet, like, love story start. And it was starring Evan Rachel Wood, who I fucking love, who's, who also stars alongside Jimmy Simpson in Westworld. She is a tremendous actress. I love her so much. At the time when this music video came out, it was 2005. So her first big movie, 13, had already come out. But um, And she'd also done some other film and television appearances. But yeah, um, I would love to do a We Appreciate Power music video or fan video that's like pledging my allegiance to Dolores since she's the most powerful computer. I think that would be really fun to do. <laughs> but I yeah, I love Evan Rachel Wood so much. I've never seen a music video open the way this did. It was a very sweet scene. It opens with them saying how much they love each other and that they'll always have one another. It felt very sincere. It was very sweet. Later in the video, there's a scene where Evan's character comes up to her boyfriend or lover and she's like, how could you do this to me? I can't believe you did this. She's crying. It's like, she's super upset. And I was like, did he cheat on her? Like, what is happening? And then he starts screaming back at her that he did it for them. Like, I did this for us. And I was like, what? Like, what the fuck is going on? He enrolled in the military, I guess. He, <laughs> uh, which makes sense with the album. Um, it reminded me of Evan Rachel Wood's character in Across the Universe, because in the beginning she has a boyfriend who's enlisted in the draft and he dies shortly thereafter. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen across the universe but later in the video we see her boyfriend in iraq i presume and you can hear evan's character's voice say just so you know you'll always have someone i'll always be here for you it was really sweet and really sad um it was a good video apparently rachel evan rachel wood and jamie bell who star in this wake me up when september ends video later married they were married from 2012 to 2014. So crazy. We're tying this episode all the way up, you know? So I wanted to read another uh, a thing I found from Rolling Stone that summarized the impact of American Idiot. They said, American Idiot gives voice to the disenfranchised suburban underclass of Americans who feel wholly unrepresented by the current leadership of oil men and Ivy Leaguers and who are too smart to accept the reality presented by news media who sell the government's line of fear and warmongering. Um, I just thought that was a really good quote. And also, along with like their, uh, you know, the awards associated with the album in 2020, Rolling Stone hasn't done this. Well, let's see. In 2020, Rolling Stone placed the album at 248 on their list of 500 greatest albums of all time. So they did that in 2020. And I know recently, like a couple weeks ago, they made a list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, which they had not done in 17 years. Um, so like Lizzo is on there now, Billie Eilish is on there, and quite a few other modern artists that had not been added in 17 years. So if you want to check that out, I found that really interesting. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> I hope you had fun. Anyway, if you enjoyed this, feel free to give me a shout. 
Let me know if there are any movies or albums you're dying to talk about with me, and I'm happy to oblige. We're probably going to do some bonus episodes this season. I don't know. We're going to have fun. I don't know. Do whatever. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the 2000s called Pod on Instagram for the visuals that go along with this episode. Like, I posted a picture from the Animals Asia Instagram, that Jim Carrey video, side-by-side picture of the actor who plays Jesus of Suburbia and everything. So go check that out. My Twitter handle is 2000s called pod. Instagram is the 2000s called pod. Um, that's it. I hope you have a great week. Um, sending you love and hugs and nostalgia. Yeah. See you later. Bye.